We're going through the series Amazing Grace and uh, really looking at Mark chapter 14 tonight. So if you can turn with me uh, there, Mark chapter 14. Now, last week I made a number of confessions that was recorded on YouTube. What goes on YouTube stays on YouTube. Um, so I figured I'll just throw my name around a little bit more. No. <laughs> um, when I was in school, uh, when the principal was Noah and uh, a whole bunch of people. Um, anyway, I, I went to school in the south of Johannesburg at a government school and managed to walk out alive uh, and survive. I can't say the same for my teachers, but they do it. My school has unfortunately been on the news a number of times for various things that, that, that has happened. Uh, fortunately, it was on the news um, after I'd left, so it wasn't me. Uh, they'd done some of those things. But uh, I don't know if you ever remember you had a, if you had a teacher that just trusted you, was had such a, a faith in you. They're like, I'll be back now, don't do anything. And you're like, sit there like, now, our sub, um, our what you call it uh, form class was um, in the homic labs. Now I don't know what you would title that now in today's subjects, but basically the girls, the guys would go do woodwork and the girls would go and do homic. And uh, we went to the homic classes. That was our where we would get registration. And our teacher was often uh, she was one of the the school governing uh, school SMT whatever they're called. Anyway, so she was out of class often. The greatest year I've ever had. Because they would have in that class, we would have to sit in the front and she had a few desks that we could sit and work around. But it had equipment. It had knives. It had ovens, microwaves. It had these massive desks that we used to play hurdles over. It was a race from the one side of the class to the other. It's amazing what uh, a microwave does to a space case full of stationery. Actually, nothing. When you open it up, everything's just melted and mushed and smoke coming out. It was brilliant. I, I loved that time there. You were like kind of, there were fridges, you know, for a guy. Fridges, that's cool. This is awesome, you know, kind of thing. And I remember doing the whole things, and this teacher would come back, and you would then just pretend nothing happened. It would just be this calmness. You had the lookout. And the person had one job, kind of watching out for this. And, and in this total chaos, we would get back, and it just would be this calmness. Nothing happened. Now sometimes we go in our relationships with the Lord and we, God, I'm on fire for you. I want to do things. And we start to move away from Him. And things start to become chaos and fall apart. Now one of the hardships that I have in ministry, there's a lot of joys. There's lots of joys being able to journey with people and see God at work. And I have got stories after stories of seeing God at work in individuals' lives. But some of the hardships is seeing someone that is so on fire for God, that is there, I'm sold out for God, I'll do anything for Him. A couple of years later, seeing them not even wanting to come to church. So far from God. And some of those moments and the reasons why they go through that is that maybe a time of turmoil, a time of crisis that's taken place in their lives. A time where that has really been brought into question. They may have doubts in God. God, why didn't you answer me in, in these things? God, why did you let this happen? And I see that and I, it just breaks my heart. I have still absolute love for them. Um, I have the privilege of journeying still and having guys phone me still. And, and I love the fact that that is still in place. Guys from Durbanville days and guys from Northcliffe days and guys from Watercliffe days serving in those churches. And still being in touch with them. But this brokenness inside because I know that God has got bigger plans for them. 
I know God has a purpose for them. I know that God wants to use them. And my prayer is for them just to return back to Him. Maybe you're there tonight. Maybe you're a long while ago, you started off with a, on fire for God. God, I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I want to die for you. I just want to do anything you want. You can even send me into Boxburg and I will go. But maybe you're at a place where you're just feeling so distant from the Lord. There's maybe a whole bunch of things have slipped in and you wonder where that faith was. Well, tonight I'm talking about amazing grace and the incredible thing, and I'm not actually referring to just any verse on the grace. I'm going to focus on a character tonight, and that is really of Peter, because God is, God's grace restores us. God's grace restores us. And so Mark chapter 14, we see this time of crisis in the disciples' lives and, and this turmoil that happens. And we see Jesus kind of preparing them for what was just about to happen, not in weeks to come, but just in an hour, two hours to come, kind of basis. And we see their response, and within an hour, that shifts and changes. And so Mark chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus, the title from the NIV says, Jesus predicts uh, Peter's denial. Verse 27, you will, uh, you will all fall away. Jesus told them, for it is written. So who all will fall away? The disciples, you're going to fall away. You find that like impossible. These are the guys that saw Jesus do incredible miracles. Bring people to life that were dead. Heal the sick. Heal the blind. Let them see again. Heal the leper. See these incredible miracles. You know, they were guys. The most incredible miracle was God just keep on producing food. You know, this is, Wow. <laughs> You know, they've seen God do this. Um, you all fall away. The focus here is not just on Peter, but on all the disciples. He told them. Why? It was for a purpose. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Well, who's the shepherd? It's Jesus here. They're going to be, the minute they're going to capture Jesus, they're going to take him, the disciples are going to flee. They're going to run. And this is what we're told. But, don't you love this? This is the grace moment. But God, but God does this. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you in Galilee. So in other words, this is going to happen. You're going to scatter. You're going to flee. I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise. I'm going to be raised again. And not only am I going to raise again, I'm going to go ahead of you in Galilee. We told this. We see this happening later on. Peter declared. So Peter hears this, the man that speaks quickly. And he says, even if all fall away. So no one's looking at the others. You might have thought of the other disciples of the cheek. What do you mean if all fall away? We're not going to, we're there, we're there, we're there. Okay. It says, even if all of them fall away, kind of basis here. If all fall away, I will not. I'm going to be here. Lord, I'm going to be with you. Have you ever kind of said that? God, I'm going to stick this out no matter what. God, I'm going to journey with you no matter what. I'm going to, I'm going to be with you no matter what. Well, this is Peter's heart here. And kind of Jesus turns around and says to him, Truly, I tell you, 
It's a truth I'm telling you. Peter, I'm speaking into your heart here. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen here. Jesus answered. Today, yes. So today, the very today it's going to happen. Not one day, but today. When you feel you're strong, Peter, when you've got this confidence, Peter, today, before the rooster crows twice, you, yourself, not the others, as Peter's kind of highlighted, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted, emphatically, even if I had to die with you, I will never disown you. So even if I had to die, I would never disown you. And we know what happens. But focus on here, and it's not just on Peter. What does the verse go on? Uh, John Mark is kind of telling us here. It says, and all the others said the same. In agreement with Peter. Not just focused on him. Well, Peter, as you know, a little bit later on, we see that Jesus gets arrested. Um, we told in John that the, the disciples didn't, wasn't this picture of just the disciples kind of scattering. Here in John kind of gives us this basis that Jesus says, you're here to arrest me, let them go, let them disperse kind of basis. It wasn't necessary from what John's highlighting. It wasn't necessary the disciples just running away. But they did. They scattered from there. Peter kind of ignores that kind of just go away in this. And the fact that he takes out his, uh, his leatherman and uh, hoys it on the guy's ear. Okay. As we know. And, uh, and Jesus kind of heals the guy. Um, so Peter reacts in this. And later on, Peter kind of disappears from this point. Okay? Peter disappears. And uh, we see later that Peter kind of follows with another disciple. John talks about the other disciple that goes into the courtyard. And we see that Peter goes wanting what sees goes on. He goes towards the high priest's uh, house and he, to see what's going on. And he kind of gets there and gets, John kind of highlights the fact that he gets invited into the courtyard. And uh, a servant girl of the high priest notices Peter and says to Peter, aren't you one of the disciples? And Peter's like, no, I'm not. We see later on in, in Mark here that the same um, servant girl comes to Peter and says, oh, I'm sure you're one of those servant girls. I mean, not servant girls. You're one of the disciples that followed Jesus. John highlights in that occurrence that one of the relatives of the soldier that had no ear but had an ear later on kind of you know, fixed, um, later on kind of says, I'm sure you're one of the disciples. And Peter denies Jesus again. And we see that taking place. That very today. After a statement of God, even if all disown you, I won't. I'm willing to die for you. And so how do we kind of get into a place where we start to slip away? Well, there are a couple of things we see here. Is one, there's an overconfidence. There's an overconfidence in Peter. Do you see that? He's kind of in his abilities. God, you know, if all are going to do this, I'm never going to do it. I'm going to stick out for you and I'm going to be there and I'm going to die for you. Even if only you and I kind of basis. 
And it's his confidence in himself. And sometimes where we happen in our spiritual walk is we get to a place of overconfidence. Ah, I'll never fall away from the Lord. Ah, this, I'm so strong in my faith that this won't really hurt me. This won't do it. And it becomes a reliance more on ourselves than on what God is doing in us. Becomes more reliance on the need of ourselves versus our need of Him. And we see it played out. One of the fears in ministry is that sometimes we can become so overconfident in what we can do. That we start to remove ourselves away from what God is doing. And we start to have that small, little, gradual step away. Reliant on me, me, and me. What I can do. You know, honest confessions been involved in children's ministry and youth ministry you've had over the number of years um, a repertoire of stories that you're going to the children's ministry and tell and there was a purpose behind the story that was telling there was a hope and a desire it wasn't just my trying to make kids laugh so that they didn't come after me because those little ones are dangerous you know and kind of keep them entertained it wasn't just about that it was about guidance and giving them lessons that they could really hear about God. But I needed the Holy Spirit to work through those stories. And it was very easy to be uh, invited to a school and to fall into just doing one of those stories. And you know what it became? Just one of those stories. It wasn't that reliance on God. It was that self Confidence, overconfident in that. Are you there tonight? Is that causing you to slip away? Are you at that place where you're saying, God, I can do this, I've got this, I'm never going to. Or are you at a place where you're saying, God, I need you in this? Where you're at. The next one is sometimes is in compromise. Now what we see just before the arrest, Peter, uh, Jesus takes the three and kind of it takes them away and brings them into the into the garden just to kind of just spend some time just praying and uh jesus gets to this point and he says here it goes on a little bit further it says a little further he fell to the ground and prayed that it was possible that the hour might pass from him abba father he said everything is possible uh through you take this cup from me and i will uh, what i will not uh, sorry, not not what I will, but what you will. He returned, said, given the instructions to the three disciples here to sit here while I pray. The kind of guideline here that Peter and James and John were to do was to be kind of lookouts for what was going on. And Jesus kind of has gone distressed, troubled. This time of crisis is is amongst him, and he's he's really spending time with the Father, just so overcome with this. Returns to the disciples, verse 37. He returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Simon. It's like when Sarah calls me Daniel John. Kind of, you know. Simon. He said to, the, uh, said to Peter, Are you asleep? Could you not keep watching for one hour? Key verse. And I'd love for you to highlight this if you've got your pen and your Bible. Your, um, your uh, U version. 
Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Goes back. Once more he comes and he finds them a third time. Are you still sleeping and arresting? They get to this place where they were supposed to be the watch out, or the lookouts. They were supposed to be sitting, they were supposed to be praying too, and they were supposed to be doing this. And this time of crisis comes, and Jesus comes a third time, says, rise, let us go, here becomes my betrayer. They're not prepared. But a place where this turmoil crisis comes, they're just totally taken aside. Mad. And Jesus kind of giving them an instruction here, watch and pray. Be there. Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. Very key. Ephesians 6 verse 18 goes on to say this, And I pray and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this mind, be alert and keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Be alert and keep on praying. We too are called to watch out. We're called to be alert, to be praying in all circumstances, in all situations. But what do we do? We sometimes let a level of compromise come in. It's okay if I just do this. It's all right if I skip this quiet time. It's all, it's all right if I just, just don't go to church this time. You know what often I find? The pattern in those that fall away from the Lord. Often I. It starts with that one area of compromise. I'm not going to give today. It's okay this month. I'm not going to do this this month. I'm not going to do this. And it slowly slips into an area of compromise. There. We're called to be alert. To be watching out. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. No, no. Now sometimes we... Um, as you'll be aware, we've been involved with running uh, the Baptist Youth Summer Camp. And on the last night of a camp, um, of the camp itself is chaos. I don't sleep. I think the last camp we actually ran, I had my sleeping bag over, my, over me while I was lying in the car. Um, so that as I heard over the radio something was going on, I just drove my car to it, wound on the window, shouted out, and then drove it back around. <laughs> I've learned now that was my new tactic. It was e far easier to do. Uh, and so I tried to sleep in the car, um, right by my steering wheel, ready to respond. So you don't sleep, and uh, what happens is the, as the campers go, you have that final session, your adrenaline kind of dies, then it's the motivation to try to get everyone to clear up. Uh, whilst you're running around looking like you're busy, so it looks like you're doing something. Uh, you know, it's hard to keep that up, you know. And, uh, and what happens is eventually, like at 4 o'clock, everyone just wants to go swim and eat and just chill and relax, and that's what we want to do. Well, um, we were doing a, uh, we were doing a, um, a braai there, and I had a friend of mine who was helping us at camp, and uh, he needed to catch the bus in Kimberley that night. And uh, so I asked Jason if he could come with me and uh, drop the guy off and, and Jason could drive, Jason Austin, if he could drive there for me. And Jason's like, Dan, I'm tired, but so long as you come with me and you stay awake. I'm like, yeah, I've got your back, buddy. Thanks for doing this. We get there fine. We wait for the bus. The guy gets there. We're tired, so we throw him into the bus, throw his bags with him. Uh, it was lovely having you, cheers, bud, and, uh, and go. 
And we make our way back. Now, if anyone's ever done that late, late night trip from Kim, between Kimberley and Barclay West, it's a very straight road. No street lights. No civilization. Makes sense. It's Kimberley. Um, and, and what happens is it is dark. And it's weary. And the road just does this. And if you're tired, your eyes do this. And I remember points of Jason screaming at me. Daniel! <laughs> Because I was going, huh? I've got you back right here. I was trying my best. I was sticking my head out the window like a dog. <laughs> Two in the morning there as we're trying to drive back. I'm afraid I, I think I let him down. I think I was awake for about 20% of that trip, if that. Um, he managed. I, he got us home safely, and I'm grateful to him for doing that. But we get into these places of compromise. It often comes when we're tired. We think we can do it. We think we can cope in these moments. And why the importance was be alert. Watch out for this. Watch out for those compromises. Watch out for what you're giving in. Spend time praying on your God so that when the moment of crisis comes, you know how to respond. But we sometimes don't. People give up in their faith because we don't have understanding of why God allows certain things to happen and I wish I could give answers to each of those things and those questions that people have but sometimes we compromise we choose other things and say well God I didn't see what you're doing now so I'm going to go down this route instead of being alert to realize this is where this route is actually taking me this is what it's doing to me and so we slip up by sometimes being overconfident, sometimes in the area of compromise. And thirdly, sometimes through our cowardness. Through our cowardness. We see Peter, um, what happens is in John, he kind of highlights the fact that Peter, the, the one disciple we told, goes in to the court. Peter is following to see what's happening to Jesus, kind of follows, but he kind of hides near towards the door. He hides by the fire amongst what others are doing. And he just kind of hides in this. The very man that says, you know, God, I'm not going to deny you whatsoever. We see the actions before the actual denial, the actions already are there. Sometimes we do that. I hate going to parties or places, certain places, particularly with people that don't know me. And you go there, you might have been invited by someone. And the questions goes around, so what do you do for a living? I'm like, I'm a pastor. <clears throat> I swear the music just goes, <coughs> everyone that went listening to the conversation have their heads, <coughs> and you just see that party changes. Uh, the change in the atmosphere. I even had a youngster once say to me, sure, the party really took off when you left. Thanks. <laughs> Why am I sharing this? Well, sometimes when we're called to be brave enough to say, God, you know, I want to live for you always. And we're challenged on that. What do we do? How do we respond? And so we become sometimes the secret agents in our Christian faith. Because it is sometimes easier not to stand out for God. It's sometimes easier not to make the statements for Him. It's sometimes easier not to live the way he calls us to live. It's sometimes easier. And so we hide by the fire and we hide by that doorpost. 
trying to avoid what God has really called us to do. It's so easy to sometimes hide and to keep hiding in that. And it disappears. Fourthly, we sometimes fall away when our faith in Christ becomes about convenience. When it becomes about convenience, it's great for me. I started going to my ascending church, Glenvista Baptist Church. Why? Because my friend told me that the girls were hot. God had other plans, and I am grateful. My friend did not lie to me. Um, and that was the motives. I went to church because the girls were, uh, were, were hot. And they were nice. They were Christian girls. You know, they would talk to me. They didn't run away from me like the other girls did. Yeah. It becomes a base of convenience. I start this on fire for God. I want to live for you, Lord. I want to do this for you. I want to, I want to really speak for you and, and die for you. Kind of faith moves into, I've come to church. Why? Because it's where my friends go. I come to church. Oh, it's convenient, you know. I connect with people. I come to church because it does this. Or I feel fulfilled when I, when I serve in this way. And it becomes this convenience instead of actually a living out for the Lord kind of faith moment. A.W. Tozer writes this and he says, In every Christian's heart there is a cross and a throne. And the Christian is on the, th uh, the, Christian is on the throne till he puts himself on the cross. If he refuses the cross, he remains on the throne. Perhaps this is at the bottom of the backsliding and the wilderness among believers today. We want to be saved, but we insist on Christ doing all the dying. We sometimes just move into a basis of convenience in this. This very text is Jesus is dealing with Peter, knowing what is going on and knowing how the people scatter. He says, but, but, I will rise again. Jesus knew that this was going to happen. He knew the disciples were going to scatter, for it was written. He knew that there were going to be moments where Peter was going to deny him. He knew that. It was going to take place. And I want to tell you, maybe you're there. Maybe you're in such a hardship. Maybe you're wrestling with so many questions. Maybe you're at that place where you feel like you've fallen. It may have been some of the things from the things we've spoken about. But you just feel like you've slipped away. You're a place where it just seems so hollow inside. That that very fire that you once had, that fire of saying, God, I want to die for you. I want to live for you. God, I won't deny you. As Peter had. Maybe that is gone. And you're kind of just now, just walking, a walking Christian zombie. But God. But God. In this moment of crisis, it was always part of God's plan. Jesus was going to die and rise again. According to the will of his Father. He was going to do this. And what does this tell us about him? Tells us that he's loving. 
that though you may feel hollow, though you may have sometimes denied him, sometimes you may have, have hidden and been a coward or, or just lived your faith out of convenience rather than actually living for him, or you're in a place of compromise, know that God is loving. That's his grace. But God. God knowing all. I've often felt sometimes as a failure in ministry. I often focus on the negatives versus the positives. And I see my daughter kind of unfortunately has picked up my attribute. And got her report card on Friday. And, and she did so incredibly well. But she was zoning on a four. Now four was my highest mark I ever got. You know, But she'll focus on why did I get that lowest mark. And I've done that in ministry. God, look at the times I've failed, the times I've been lazy, the times I've slept in the car or in the car. I shouldn't tell you that. Um, you know, the moments I've done this, but God, we serve a loving God, and so we cling to Him. He goes ahead, so He tells us. He goes ahead because He had a plan. The ministry wasn't ending. God using the disciples wasn't ending at His arrest. He had a greater plan for them. And so God is patient. He journeys with them. He knows that Peter is going to deny him. He knows what Peter is going to be like. And in fact, we see later in John, kind of the highlights of Peter being restored. Jesus asking him, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Do this, Peter. And he restores Peter to the point that Peter does die for Christ. That on fire. That's an incredible grace. Because God is about restoring. And he is patient with them. And you know what? God is sometimes patient with me. I don't understand that. But he knows what he's doing. He knows what he is doing. It's also a God that is not basing it on our performance. Titus 3 verse 5 says this, He saved us, not because of, our, uh, because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing and the rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. He saved us. So what is our response tonight? Well, this is the incredible grace you may be at a place of compromise. You may be at a place where you're feeling like a coward. You may be at a place where, where you're, you're, not, you know, you're overconfident and you've been at a place and you realize you've been doing things alone and away from Him. Know this, that we can come back to a God who restores. And I have seen this. I have seen some people that have turned away from the Lord. They have one youngster that really went down the roughest road. And it broke my heart to hear what the things he had done. And uh, it was incredible to be at summer camp the one year, and he's not in this church, so don't panic. But uh, he came through, and having heard exactly what he had done, and, and that he came through as a, a leader for the church. God had met with him on that rough road, and he had turned back to God. And God brought back that fire, that desire to serve him. And I saw this guy shining a light that I could never imagine. 
He got back involved into full-time ministry even. Because you know, God calls the naughty people to the front. And he restored him. And I've seen God do that over and over because of his great, amazing grace. Turn to him. And let him restore you. Back to that place where you say, God, I want to live for you again. I want to die for you. Come to him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are in the restoration business. Peter, who saw so much, saw you do so much, witnessed so much, said even so much, was at a place of denying you. Lord, I know it's not something that we can say that I'll never do that because we all probably have done that. We all too, like Peter, have been down that road. And Lord, yet you restore Peter. You bring him back to a place where you use him so mightily in the church. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling, those that feel hollow or are just plain church right now, are hiding behind things. May we hear your call. May we hear your call to come back to you, to know you more, to live for you more. Pray, come now, Lord, and restore us once more so we can live for you. We pray this in your name. Amen.